Hello, 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 you lovely, lucky people. Welcome to another episode of the Hurtwood Muse podcast. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Lots lots has changed. Lots has changed. The, uh, you know, upending of almost every aspect of normal social living, everything from travel to education to well-being, being shut indoors with your families for an entire... Oh, anyway, look. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it because everything is moving in a positive direction. We're now about 42% of the population having their first dose of some form of COVID vaccine in the UK. Um, it feels like maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And in order to move you seamlessly into that positive frame of mind, we thought, what better time? What better time to treat you? to another episode of the Hurtwood Muse podcast. Got a bit of a bit of a mixed bag as per for you guys this time around. Uh, we've got an interview with an extraordinary ex-Hurtwood student in the form of Sophie Reekman, who is is such an, an incredible talent. Um, uh, I, I taught her English and she always struck me as such an old soul. And here she is a few short years down the line as the UK director, or UK president rather, I should say, of the We Make Change charity. Um, they're an international charity. They've got, uh, I think, 22 kind of groups around the world. Honestly, I would trust Sophie Reekman just implicitly with that kind of important job. She's an extraordinary human being. Um, so yeah, we've got an interview interview with Sophie. Um, we've got a, a nice rambly, rambly chat with uh, Chloe, Emma and Harry about uh, the devising process for Chloe's new play that they've been going through recently in preparation for a performance. Um, and to kick us off, just to bring us back to where we were, I was digging through my archive because we've been, we've been doing the podcast for a little while now, just a little while. Not gonna, you know, not gonna make too much of a big deal out of it. Um, and I found a recording that I made right near the beginning of lockdown, where I chased my two smallest children round the house, recording them. Um, reading the opening lines of Samuel Beckett's mid-century absurdist play, Waiting for Godot. And somehow, to go back to that very strange place that we were in at the beginning of the first lockdown, when the scale of the pandemic was only just becoming sort of visible, and realising how much of an odd time that was, and thinking about how far we've come since then, and just kind of the silliness, I think, of, of that time and what prompted me to rec <laughs> to edit together a recording of my two tiny children reading the first lines, the opening lines of Beckett's Waiting for Godot, just kind of sums up the strangeness of that time. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, welcome to another episode of the Hurtwood Mules podcast. See you soon, guys. Bye.
Fangen. I'm beginning to come round to that opinion. All my life, I'm trying to put it for me, saying Vladimir, be reasonable. You haven't yet tried everything, and I used the struggle. There you are again. And Maggie, I'm glad to see you back. I thought you were gone forever. Me too. Together again at last, we'll have to celebrate this. But how? Get up until I race. Hello, Muse listeners. This is Emma, Chloe and Harry, and we're going to speak about our device piece that we've been working on over the past couple of months in lockdown. And um, yeah, so this is just going to be a little podcast that we've thrown together on Zoom. And um, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, so this first bit will be us. We were all in lockdown. We'll be going back to school on Monday, which is very exciting. And then hopefully we'll have another instalment, if not two more instalments of how our process has come on and developed along the way. Yeah, she'll just show you like how our piece has evolved and like where we started from. Because originally we started just doing like some improv in the... um... I always forget the name of the place. What's the place called? Pavilion. Pavilion, yeah. So we really (laughs) go straight into it. We just say how we started and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, it was one Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, it was on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. And we just had some free time and we found that the pavilion was free. So we went in there and we we just, we wanted to be weird, basically. (laughs) We started improving our time. It, it was yeah. kind of perfect though because the whole the pavilion was set up I think for like a one and yeah it was set up for a performance wasn't it and that we put on some music from I think it was Harry's phone because we couldn't connect the speaker um and we took it in turns to kind of choose a word that we wanted the piece to be about had a, some music to put beside it and then one of us would create a set whilst the other two would kind of cover their eyes so that we were all kind of fresh to this new idea and set um so that's that that's what kind of got us in the in the mood for devising mm. um yeah And do you remember, guys, we got told off because basically the lights were on for this production and they thought that we turned the lights on and no one turned the lights off in the pavilion. And apparently the light bill was like skyrocketed because these lights went overnight. I don't remember that. I just thought um, I just thought Guy was like, did we turn it on or not? I know. that's what happened. But Jug was like, you're lying. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, so after we did a couple Arto performances, got kind of kind of weird, wonderful, yeah, wacky people walking in, which is a bit uh, yeah. That was that was that was I'm embarrassed. They, they ran away from that one. They were like, no, <laughs> what you know. Um, we decided to go down more of a naturalistic route, and I think it was I think was it you? Um, did you put the chairs in that position? I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, I think so. Um, we basically we were making up all these complicated sets. And then when we decided to strip it back and finally do something a bit more um, naturalistic, I just put three chairs facing each other in the middle and we just kind of improvised, didn't we? Yeah, we all progressively started to enter the space. And I think it was it started off with Harry and Emma. Um, I think it was Emma first and then Harry came in and they had a little bit of dialogue. And then my character came in. 
um, slightly later. And there was, from the outset, there was definite tensions between our characters. Well, um, but we were just kind of... So I was just going to jump in and say, well, it was kind of like, because we kind of went down the route somehow where it was like a, a, a high school reunion somehow. And so I'm not sure exactly how we got into that. I think... I think it actually might have been revealed to us after Chloe, you had come in. I think Emma said something about it being a high school reunion. And then that kind of opened yeah. the door into whole new um, opportunities and, you know, what kind of, uh, not like permanent themes, but just temporary themes we could play with for the next couple of minutes, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and then we kind of, it, it progressed, didn't it? And one of us was like, um, kind of, suggested that this was a meeting in hell and we'd all died and we actually stuck on that route for a couple of weeks didn't we um, yeah yeah we did another improv in person when we were still at school um and we just kind of played more along that theme and then once we got put into lockdown we just decided we wanted to keep it going and create something so we did probably about a zoom a week um where we would discuss our ideas and improv and come up with new material to do with that original stimulus um we down, like we went down loads of different crazy routes so we had this idea that like emma had some beef with chloe and i and she had taken us and kind of tried to piss against each other we also went down the route of like she had killed that emma had killed other people and we were gonna have like bodies. why am i always the villain though <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of typecasting. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think we had so many. We had very kind of a lot of hyper dramatic endings of like two people dying or like everyone's dead or something. But all naturalistic. It wasn't non naturalistic at this point, so it was kind of somewhat far fetched. And I think when we started speaking to Andy about it, and and he was like, we could maybe take this to the Edinburgh Fringe. And I think for me personally, I think that was the moment where I was like, we probably need to step up our game a bit because this is somewhat GCSE drama, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and um, yeah, and then we had that really cool Zoom. And I'm not going to lie, the majority of our Zoom, half the time we're talking about other things. Like we're living <laughs> together next year. <laughs> like we're buying a place in London. But um, yeah, on, I remember a specific Zoom where we kind of came up with Alton Towers and the crash at Alton Towers and how that was something that really resonated with all of us. And I think it was, that. it was because Emma, you were saying, didn't you live near Alton Towers or something like that? In, um, yeah, 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 it was because you that, were like, oh, we should go. And then we looked at the, that made got, us think about the actual, yeah. like that, And yeah. this website with them, um, not this website, the a YouTube video came up um, on from Good Morning where there was a survivor and she was uh, being interviewed and we got really interested and really hooked. Um, and we spent like a couple of minutes, you know, doing more research into that and stuff like that. And we were kind of at that point of the process, we were kind of like, we had hit a wall basically because we had all these ideas and we had all these like different bits of scenes and dialogues and, and long monologues that we had written, but we didn't know what to do with them because we knew we had something really cool and really interesting but we just didn't 
we did it's not like we didn't have a drive it's just kind of like we were stuck and we needed something to get out of that and I feel like that's what Alton Towers was definitely and I feel like it's it's always kind of important to remember when you're when you're in a devising process and you kind of come up with your first idea and you get in your first kind of standstill moment it's so easy to think oh well you know what, what what do we do now and get kind of stuck in that in that cycle but I actually think that having those moments actually kind of promotes the most amount of change and transformation in a piece um we wouldn't have got anywhere near the idea that we have kind of decided to start working um with now if we hadn't had that amount of kind of deliberation and mm. and not really sure what take what where we could take the piece if that makes sense yeah and we need to remember that when we were deliberating over ideas, we'd make and um, we'd write and we'd kind of improvise these very obscure scenes. And now we're at a point where we're actually putting it all down on paper. That's actually come in really useful. We can say, oh, do you remember that scene where um, you, you slapped this person and uh, they died? Well, we can just tweak a few bits there and um, turn it into this completely new scene, which is really, it's very, um, it allows it to be very free and just exciting. I think it also saves because especially now when we're in lockdown time and like going back to school, obviously we're going so soon, time is kind of of the, f- of the essence. And we don't have, because we're doing a performance of this, um, we don't have as much time I think as we would want. So I think it's really good that we had these old scenes written and literally with changing a couple sentences, um, a couple of words, a couple of phrases, you know, renaming some of the characters, reditioning some of the lines. Um, it actually works really well, which is kind of weird because I don't think that I feel like that's not something that happens. But I think because the themes, because like Chloe was saying, we deliberated on that one original track. We kind of reached something new while still having a connection to what we had. Um, it, it ended up working really well, I think. Yeah, I feel like now we're in a place I think we're going to hopefully create a little bit more material and monologues um sorry excuse me before we get back to school next monday and then from there i feel like the only way we can really start to progress it properly is through exploring it physically because i feel like we've always from the beginning we've we've said that we wanted to do lots of we have it quite kind of based in physical theater and have that um but i feel like obviously on zoom you obviously can't do that so when we get in person it'll be a big step in the right direction I think yeah and I think you guys will agree when I say it's been really nice to have this extra project coming along obviously we're all in the midst of doing um a level work and also drama school um which is just taken a huge toll on all of our lives like it's a huge stress and so having um a place where we can talk about um, our experiences and draw on them and create just be creative has been just the most helpful thing that we could have done especially during a lockdown definitely yeah I was gonna say also especially because you you kind of mentioned drama school because obviously we have like certain strict rules we have to follow we have we've because performing is obviously something we all love and we're kind of with drama school it's kind of as even though we enjoy it it's turned into kind of a more stressful experience where I feel like this is now we, we we took we kind of broke away from that where it's like performing but it's not it's stress-free you know and it's something yeah. that we can you know enjoy and just have fun with and have a little laugh and stuff 
yeah it's kind of like having the it's giving us the chance to perform and create and do what we love without the profession without the pressure of having to perform mm. because obviously when you're doing self-tapes it's kind of expected that your your work's a certain level or you have to mit- kind of hit a certain criteria of it as it were but with this it's been obviously we want to get it done and we've been kind of committed to doing it but there's not been the same amount of kind of stressful pressure as everyone's kind of said already so I think it's been really nice to kind of just take our time with it yeah definitely well I think I think that's enough said (laughs) we will update you when we have been rehearsing in person and have got more of a a grasp of where it is going I'd like to say a big thank you to Louise and Muse for suggesting that we do this podcast in the first place um I think it'll be a really great (laughs) my mom my dad (laughs) yeah I'd like you to thank every single person no I'm joking um but to be honest I think it's nice to have this podcast which will document our journey as well um which is kind of another thing um that we can do creative whilst everyone's in these weird times as every person says and that sounds really weird saying (laughs) oh we're in these weird times (laughs) and also um come watch our show oh yeah come watch it if we if this is released before we perform it then watch it please what's the date of it harry Oh, why are you asking me? I don't know. I'm, I'm the least. <laughs> no, you don't like you're going to say it. This is this is top organisational skills when we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds right. well. The third June, guys. <laughs> that's that's provisional, but there'll be posters. There'll definitely be posters because oh, I love be so exciting to design posters. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh so thank you so much for listening to our podcast or first installment of our podcast and we will see you soon like and subscribe like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> hello louise um so how long since you left us it's it's been so since summer 2018 so it's like two and a half years okay so. back in the old world i know the pre Pre-whatever. The pre-madness days. Pre, pre-apocalypse. <laughs> um, so off you went and you've been at LSE. Tell us how that's going and what you're studying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been going well. Obviously, it's been an interesting time with the pandemic sandwiched in the middle. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I'm doing international history with French. So I've sort of built modern languages into my degree, which I'm really enjoying. Mm. You're, yeah. a bit, you're a bit of a linguist, aren't you? I, I mean, I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's happening now is that you've taken a sabbatical. I have, yes, of sorts. Okay, and uh, why of sorts? Well, I, I suppose you know, I've, I've got some university work still tied into things, but without the pressure of imminent deadlines mm. and constant exams, mm. um, which I think has been good, a healthy thing to have. Hmm. after after sort of everything that's gone on okay um so you've taken a sabbatical but uh to, uh, and, and explain why because this is this is what i think is really interesting well you're very interesting and everything about lse <laughs> is very interesting but this is particularly interesting because um you know in a time of world change um and all sorts of kind of key seminal movements and i'm thinking here obviously of the big ones black lives matter and be mm. uh, you know uh, and, and the me too movement and so on we seem to be at the center of a kind of big cultural um change and you are you have made yourself 
um, uh, more part of that. So can you explain? I, I guess, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting listening to a lot of people talk about what's going on instead of everyone saying, you know, the pandemic, if anything, has highlighted what's been bubbling under the surface for a while and has sort of given the ignition or been the catalyst for, for a lot of things to come to the surface and really show their faces. And so it sort of seems like this constant barrage of, of things going on. But in reality, you know, it's been it's been brimming under the surface for decades. Mm. Mm. So... Yeah, a very overwhelming position to be in, I think, for everyone, um, regardless of whether you live near what's going on or whether you see it constantly pop up on the news or social media. Mm. So it's been very interesting having some, you know, positions within the sort of social enterprise world really before the pandemic mm. and that really coming alive now. Right. So one of those being with We Make Change, specifically here in the UK. Yeah. Um, so this is a big is, international charity, We Make Change. It is. It's. It's. Yeah. It, it became a social enterprise at the beginning of the year, um, which is a sort of slightly different, but I suppose more practical setup of of trying to ignite social change. So having a bit of a business model attached to it, hmm. but then you know anything that's generated in terms of of profit or revenue going into sort of being re. Um, invested into social causes around right. the world, right. which is great. I think as of now, we have more than 20 different national communities across all continents, Yeah. So, which is fantastic. And I think nearly 30,000 people signed up to, to be volunteers and change makers with us across the globe, Yeah. Okay. which is yeah a monumental number, but obviously we're constantly pushing for that to be more people um, really sort of finding their feet within social causes yeah volunteering etc and feeling confident to take that step to do something no matter what the scale mm. whether that be within their own sort of micro society or whether that be on a national or even international level mm. and to not feel as if you know age or experience is necessarily a barrier to that sounds great and your role in this is is to head up the uk rather strangely okay. which you know <laughs> Is an incredible and I think quite frankly in some ways ridiculous opportunity for someone of my age to, to be given. Okay, how did how did how did this come to happen? It I mean it came to happen really. I discovered we make change, I think, just online, um, and loved the concept. Where did it origin where did it originate? Um, Sorry. It's it's from the UK actually. Okay. So our, okay. our CEO is himself, you know, a youngster who decided back in two thousand and seventeen that he was going to take an ambitious leap and, and see if he could set something up of his own. Mm. Um so over the past sort of three and a half, four years it's really, really grown. Mm. But yeah, I, th I think I discovered it um just per chance in 2019, sort of summer 2019, and joined on doing outreach for the UK community to try and establish partnerships, yes. and then ended up taking over from a, a previous national president um, once he decided that his time was up in the role. Mm. Um, and yes, it was ended up with the opportunity to then have the position to, to head up not only the entire team, but really help set the agenda for what we wanted to achieve here in the UK. This is vast. It is. It's this it's is huge. Vast. Um, so when did when did your presidency begin? When did this? 
Well, Funnily enough, just before the pandemic, so really? the beginning of beginning of 2020, yeah, which is a very interesting time to try and transition into a new role and head up a team, yeah, particularly a volunteer one where no one's you know bound by contracts or hmm. financial incentives. So you're very much reliant on people having the free time and the goodwill to contribute, which obviously during a pandemic is is difficult to expect. Hmm. So hmm. that's been very interesting, but interesting enough for us as well. It's been a key moment for us to see that so many people are, in fact, engaging on a new level with social issues, um, and particularly the focuses that we have, because it's centered around what are known as the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so there are sort of 17 broad goals in total, I think 169 mini goals mm. um, as a whole. And those sort of form the crux of what we deal with. And so naturally within that framework a lot of it is not only of sort of small society or national importance but it's also international and very much global mm. and sort of thinking of things like no poverty no hunger gender equality climate change would be a very obvious one as well mm. so it's it's interesting how many people have despite what you might think about almost the trauma and the barrage of the pandemic being in everyone's lives and maybe wanting to shut themselves off from all of this. How many people are actually doing the opposite and thinking, okay, well, now would be a great time to really get stuck in hmm. and see what I can do and see if I can help in any way to to make, you know, the global situation better. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, it, it, it sounds almost overwhelming. So how you have to presumably coordinate the team dealing with all these amazing uh, kind of areas needed... I yes, I do. So I coordinate with the team. Fortunately, we're also all linked up globally, so I can network as well with the other national presidents of different countries. And mm. you know, it's it's very much a sort of beg, borrow, and steal um, from each other, but in a very friendly environment. You know, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, and then also tailor different initiatives to the culture within the country. Right, right. So and that's I, I, that I, element of it. Yeah, um, and you're you're across. Uh, did you say twenty nationalities? I think it's more than, actually. Mm. Um, a few more have popped up, but really? yeah, everywhere. Really? Africa, Latin America, Europe, North America, Asia. Mm. Um, yeah. It's extraordinary, and that's only since 2017. Yes, and a lot of it, in fact, a lot of national communities have popped up in 2020, right. which I think is, again, indicative of the fact that, you know, a lot of people are realising that this isn't something that, you know, other people deal with or right. something that they are excluded from because they don't have enough expertise in the area right but people are very happy to sort of jump in feet first and, and figure out what they can do and try and link up with people who are being very innovative mm. and essentially say to them how can we help how can we support you yeah what is our role in this yes okay so so you have to you have to kind of um balance all this how much of your working day is involved in this sophie it's I'd say probably on average 12 to 14 hours a week. So right. Okay. So that's spreading that. So a couple of hours a day right. minimum. Okay. Sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. Okay. Um and and you know, what most excites you about this role? I That's a very good question. Um I I suppose this may be a bit cliche to say, mm. but the, the enthusiasm that I experience amongst other people okay. and that I, I meet along the way um, 
for for doing really incredible things but not being afraid to start small and have the perseverance and persistence to see it through to being something greater mm -hmm. I think that's very fantastic you know some some brilliant people that I've come across that are you know some sometimes recognized you know nationally or even internationally by the United Nations or the Diana Award or things like this um, for making you know really long-term impactful change amongst thousands of people mm. to those who are simply trying to adjust the needs of, that they see in their immediate surroundings you know perhaps helping neighbors um, find you know food packages and, and make sure they have the health care support that they need and mm. PPE and things during the pandemic um, or trying to help link up the local community to technological developments in, in rural Ghana, say, mm. or spread awareness about nutrition and the links to HIV. Mm. Um, you know, the, the different types of projects that people are engaging in are endless. And, and, and people bring their enthusiasm clearly, as much as you have brought your enthusiasm previously to this, <laughs> to other charities, um, and, mm. and they come under your umbrella and you try to coordinate them with others or... Um, support or you know or add others what you know what what you know how tricky is it to balance all these things I mean it, it's constantly looking for a way to, to innovate and be more impactful that's okay. really the difficult thing so the basic framework I'd say think, think of it a bit like headhunting I suppose mm. so we try and find you know, young, new, fresh organizations that need help in some capacity. Yeah. And we also find a whole load of volunteers and we link them up through having this platform of, of being able to say, you know, what are your skills? What can you bring to the table? What are charities, NGOs, social enterprises looking for? Hmm. And essentially forming that link where the two wouldn't necessarily otherwise meet. Right. So that really is the basic framework that works ultimately very well on its own and particularly in the UK I think in actual fact um, although we're one of the smaller national communities there are some absolutely gigantic ones mm. with you know thousands and thousands of volunteers we have maybe a few hundred mm. um, the, those in the UK are actually very very active in terms of signing up for projects and I think um, constitute the largest number of sign-ups of any national community mm. to help out and really volunteer their skills so that that basic element works very well but then there are obviously steps that we can take beyond that so so sort of fostering a sense of community and and networking and idea and information sharing between the volunteers who do sign up within different national contexts yeah and um, trying to develop skills trying to reach out to people who wouldn't traditionally perhaps think of themselves as change makers and, and see if we can prompt them to reconsider i guess mm. um and sort of reframe how they might want to use their skills either in their free time you know their spare time just volunteering or in the future mm. um, you know daring to step up and be a social entrepreneur themselves potentially mm. so there are lots of ways we can do that then of course as well there's linking up between different national communities so really breaking out of this this nation-centered mold in i guess the the spirit of the united nations and saying you know there are people all over the world who are doing very similar things, who have very similar interests, mm. and trying to bridge those gaps as well, which, you know, technology, love it or hate it, is, has been a fantastic tool yes. in helping set all of this up, because that really is as well at the centre of what we do. A lot of it is digital, um, and whilst we hope as well to have a more on-the-ground presence further down the line in, in you know, physical projects. Yes. Um, being able to say link up some, some project in Tanzania with volunteers in... 
don't know, New York or something. Hmm. Is you, almost you, really, you can do up, that. You can do that. Yes, anywhere across the world, as long as you have internet connection. Really? Um, really? And you're able to straddle the time zones with certain amounts of work, you can you can link up anyone anywhere. Yeah. Which is phenomenal as well, because it means you bring different skills and expertise, viewpoints, backgrounds, right. and pull them at the feet of an organization that would perhaps not have anything comparable hmm. in their community and then naturally through that as well you you get the opportunity to help them learn and grow and perhaps spread their mission hmm. um where where they are directly on the ground which has in many cases a great impact on you know maybe smaller communities but also in the longer term perhaps larger ones right and i think ultimately as well there's that inspiring element okay so it's the you know, it's the it's the um Using the digital um, uh, potential, but but uh, go, you know, it, it's about human beings, isn't it? It's about connectedness with human beings and and, and mm. um, um, putting putting people and ideas together. I suppose. Yes, yeah. with sort of a, a an encasing of shared values, I guess. Mm, okay. And the drive to see a better world or a better outcome, mm. which is also underpinned massively by the belief that it can be achieved. Yes. Which yes. in and of itself is is vital. So so at the heart like of this. this is optimism. Yes, absolutely. And it's again as I said earlier, it's intriguing how much of this optimism has actually been generated out of twenty twenty. Mm. Mm. Although you might consider it being somehow in spite of. Mm. And that doesn't seem to be the trend. Um, particularly amongst our volunteers who who tend to be between the ages of about 18 and 28 or so so it's a very young group of people as well and really the i suppose the next generation who in the next 10 to 15 years will start to step up to the plate and really mm. start you know filling those all important positions around the world it's so exciting i mean you know it I, is, I have yeah. I, it's so exciting <laughs> um why is it that age group is it because it's university centered fundamentally do you think it it is Partially, I think, um, and as well, you know, it's very much an age group when you're sort of 18, 19, 20, 21, trying to figure out what you want to do, what you believe in, mm. your your sort of view of the world is very much being shaped largely through your 20s, as people say, you know, if you want to understand someone, look back to what the world was like when they yes. were that kind of age, and you'll probably understand their, their mindset and their general outlook on life. Yeah. Um, I think as well in general, there's a there's a much greater awareness about social and global causes. Mm -hmm. um, that's naturally something that's, that's sprung up with different UN initiatives, particularly since Kofi Annan in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so that very much has formed a large part of the childhoods and adolescence, I think, amongst a lot of people who are, who are signing up. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously as well, it's, it's a great group to tap into, you know, having maybe you know fewer dependence or dependencies yes. in life yes um more energy generally i'd say more optimism about the world <laughs> um, whether you consider that to be a maybe optimism mixed with realism or pure idealism mm. i don't know it depends on the debates that you follow yes um and some some great skill sets particularly within the digital world yes and a great comfort with operating online um yeah so i think all of those sort of a conflation of that makes this particular age group of people, a very, a very, I don't know, a sort of an optimistic, empowered, um, passionate group to tap into. Mm, mm. Okay, mm. so so in terms of our kids at Hurtwood, many of whom are obviously eighteen already, they're about to leave with their with their um, strange 
uh, A-level um, <laughs> assessments going on and so on. How yeah. all they need to do is 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 look you up. We make change and get online and 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 get involved. Yes, I mean, yeah, anyone at the age of eighteen. I have to say legally, yes. um, unfortunately, as much as we'd love to bring in people who are much younger, hmm. um, that can sometimes be a bit problematic in terms of GDPR, Yes. yawn, yes. Um, the very boring side of this. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, of course, look us up and, and you never know, you may find an opportunity to test out skills that you hadn't done before, to, yep. to have a bit of experience in leadership positions to meet people from around the world, to engage in global issues, but ultimately, hopefully as well, to to make an impact whilst learning something a bit more about yourself and having fun. Mm. You know, it, it should be, as well at the core of it, enjoyable, and there should be that satisfaction knowing that you can have ownership over a project mm. if you're helping build something from the ground up, which frequently is what a lot of our projects are based on, you know. Mm. You organizations who are trying to figure out their way and need someone to do programming, marketing, strategy, research, writing, mm. um, videography, which I know would fit with a lot of her with students, particularly Absolutely. in the media department. Of and course. That sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And knowing that you're doing that, that could have a real impact on people's lives, I think is, is incredible. Yeah. It sounds marvelous. You, you mentioned when we chatted, um, um, last time, something about, um, uh, realigning, um, computer material and stuff. I mean, that, that, that sort of struck a chord. Uh, one, was that just one particular project of kind of, um, it is, yeah, it's, it's one particular project that actually we're trying to get an event up and running with next week yeah. um, to discuss their, their fantastic work because they've worked with us in the past but have, have grown and grown and continued to during the pandemic just because it's so unbelievably important. What they do is it, it's really working within the realm of digital poverty, um, yes. particularly with students but not exclusively and uh, sort of fixing and, and marketing um all digital devices so trying to get people to encourage you know anything virtually regardless of how broken as mm. long as it has some salvageable elements yes to just donate it um they're called tech inclusion uk and they then help refurbish these these tech devices yeah and um send them out to those who you know are desperately in need to be connected particularly during such a time where you're you're studying your work you're socializing even it's done mm, through a screen mm. so if you're not connected into that or you don't have good access you're really out of the loop in in almost everything in life mm, mm. Um, and that's something as well that i think will just become almost more true um mm. so to speak following the pandemic because mm. now we've tapped into a whole new realm of digital living Mm. Um, and it's something I think that a lot of people don't necessarily think of when they think of different types of, of poverty and inequality, and particularly mm. in the UK that's considered to be so technologically advanced. Yes. Um, it is a big issue. Yes. So they're, they're doing some great, you know, on-the-ground frontline work on that. Okay, so someone really hears exciting. this and thinks, wow, that sounds like something really, you know, it's idealistic, but it's practical. Does that, is that, does that really kind of sum up? What you know, what what your what your organisation are, are kind of are about. I taking, think so. Taking all yeah. that, what you know, you know me, I know you. Um, you know, I feel that we're here to try and make a better world for each other. Um, mm. And and in, you know, is it sounds to me like your charity is making that happen. It's, I I think you yeah I think you put the nail on the head there. Mm. It's ultimately taking these these 
sort of idealistic elements um, and trying to distill them and break them down into actionable steps and say, you know, okay, we may not achieve the the UN 2030 SDGs by 2030, but we'll certainly be in a much better place if we've at least put in as much effort as we possibly can Mm. to have as much impact in the time that we've allotted ourselves. Mm. So, you know, with these sorts of things, it's very easy to just turn around and say, for example, climate change, how on earth could you possibly tackle something so monumental? Well, if you take the entire planet in its climate, mm. that is naturally going to be beyond overwhelming because mm. it's something so vast, it's multifaceted, it's complicated, and you just seem like one cog in a never-ending system. But ultimately, I think what a lot of people recognize at some point is that that's not remotely practical thinking, although it might seem so intellectually. Yes. You know, if you're considering all of these issues... What really is practical thinking is thinking, okay, what can I do as one person? And then after that, how could I then maybe use my ideas or my actions that I do as one person to spread that to two, three, four, and then maybe 10, and then through word of mouth 20, and Mm. then through that, maybe establishing a website and hitting 50, 100, 200. Mm. And all of a sudden, more people then might find you and say, you know, for example, what our organization does is we then try and jump in at that point and say, okay, you've hit this mark of maybe 200 people. Yep. Can we link you up with volunteers who have fresh ideas, creativity, and tangible skill sets to make that to 1,000, 2,000? And all of a sudden, you suddenly see these jumps and very quick growth where ideas are refined, they're shared, you maybe link up with different organizations, you pool your resources, and suddenly you have a network that started with one person, say, in their bedroom, mm. just having an idea, mm. thinking that, oh, it's ridiculous, but I'll do what I can. And all of a sudden you have maybe five, ten thousand 10,000 people who jumped on board. And although that's nothing in comparison to 7.5 billion people on an entire planet, mm. it's also not negligible. And I don't think you can shoot that down. And realistically, the more people who do that, the greater amount of change that you have. And that really builds momentum much faster than people would consider and so that's really the difference between just pure idealism and a sort of dream and you know actionable realism I think Mm. and that's the gap that we try and fill and we try and fill that with people who are maybe naturally more inclined to believe in these ideals Mm. um, which tend to be you know youngsters who are who are new to these who find them fresh and exciting but very complicated and don't know what they can do with that yeah we then try and actively tap into that and say well, hey, we have a few ideas as to how you could mm. make that difference, how you could develop your skills, and maybe you'll just, you know, find the right organization, the right people, the right network to really help you grow something mm. much greater than that in the future. Mm. I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so impressed, Sophie. You're, for, you, you, you've always had you. You're an old soul. We've agreed that one. Um, but you've always. <laughs> You know, you've you've come so far in 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 the few years since you left us. You know, on the Surrey Hills, um, you must you must you must have impressed yourself. How long do you think you'll hold this position for? How long you know? How long can you personally kind of manage this alongside what you also need to do, which is obviously to complete your degree. Um, mm. um, and and you you've got one more year of your degree to do. I have yes. yes, yeah, and you will you will jump back into that in September, presumably. Yes, so full force in September. Um, I mean, I, I'm very lucky. I'm sort of I'm building a very strong team around me, which is obviously very helpful. You know, you, yeah. you're very much 
held up and supported by those whom you work with, um, a lot of whom are doing fantastic work, you know, very passionate, really putting in the hours to try and see this through. Yeah. Um, and then there's the support from the global team, the support from different national presidents um, who very much, you know, celebrate the successes mm. of other national communities as well. Mm. So there's, there's that that takes the pressure off, you know, just maybe standing at, at the head of an organization nominally mm. um, on your own. You know, I'm, I'm not top dog overall no um which i think is a very healthy thing he's a 20 year old <laughs> yes i think that would be wildly stressful but it's something you know I'm, I'm not there on my own um i'd like to i'd like to be around for a, at least a little bit longer to see things through to the next stage and then maybe you know because these organizations are so fluid it might then be perfectly the right time to hand over to someone else with new ideas and a bit of a new vision mm. but i think yeah we make change will be something that i'll gladly be involved in in some capacity i think for quite a long time Excellent. um it's been wonderful to see it grow since you know starting what will be two years after its inception mm. um to then hopefully seeing it through for, for years and years to come and, mm. and really relishing at least just being able to be a part of that growth mm. um, and seeing what people are achieving. Mm. And so whether or not that's leading the UK specifically or, or perhaps taking a bit more of a backseat role um, further down the line, we'll have to see. But I think for now, I'm, I'm happy to stay mm. where I am and see where it takes me, you mm. know, whether the challenges that that comes up with, um, and yeah, learn and grow from that myself as well, because mm. it's just an unparalleled opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which you are taking by the horns and 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 um, and making your own. It's marvelous. I'm so I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Um, I think that's a great little interview, actually. So I think. I hope um, so. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah, you, you're so articulate, and you're such a marvelous. Uh, well, you you know you've got all the stats, you've got all the complexity of the of the theoretical underpinnings and stuff. I mean, I, you know, this is this is this is. I'm hoping you know that we Sam can put together a nice little podcast from all that you've said and cut you know cut me out. But uh, it, oh, it, Sam, it, bless him. Yeah, it, good old Sam. Um, you you know you've got you always talk in an extremely business-like way and what what I've always loved about your approach to all this is the rigor that kind of intellectual rigor that you bring to it but it's also practicality <laughs> and I've you know I've just jotted down here there's some some brilliant I mean obviously they are you know it's, it's not jargon but things that you need like practical thinking and actionable steps and actionable mm. realism I love them um and again it's it's you know I'm I I, I just think that 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 you're absolutely right, realising that the world has sort of been brought to its knees and it's certainly been brought to, um, you know, to, 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 to a kind of slower pace by the pandemic. Um, mm. You know, I, I've, I've always thought there's more goodness than badness in the world. And I think most of, uh, you know, it's the frustration of not being able to action things that I think that are so difficult. But this, yeah. uh, this idea that you, you can coordinate, and I think you use the term headhunt, I thought I think that's very interesting that idea that you can actually kind of say you know okay so you're keen to make a difference let's put you know what are your skills let's put you you know how about you look you talk to this person or yeah look it's about... sort of the the convening power I guess mm, mm. is, is that's another, you see that's another good one you're so articulate 
Well, thanks, Louis. I mean, it depends on the day. I feel like I've become more articulate around you because you're yourself very articulate. Well, that's what that's what I try. You know, I mean, I bit of a mirroring situation. Yeah, well, I I think if you get, you know, that's what I mean. It genuinely interests me. I, I mean, I am always just interested in people's passions but I'm I'm so particularly interested in yours because you know um your passion is to make a better world and you know I can't think of a better you know there is no better surely um aim in life than that really is there you know obviously immediately uh, the, the people you love and care for you want them in on it but beyond that you just mm. want to make a better world um so y yeah and you you are a cool calm facilitator I think is what I can see here so um I'm glad I'm yes. glad yeah yeah well it's lovely to see you blossoming it's lovely to see you blossoming it really is and um um and using your your considerable interpersonal skills because I'm going to I'm going to say that's the problem I think an awful lot of people who want to make a change don't really have much of a vision of the breadth of the world and other people's place in it and um and that's when, you know, it's very easy for someone with good intentions to be a kind of steamroller that's ineffectual because they just put people off, you know. Um, sure. Um, but um, so there you are in London and um, obviously keeping sane in spite of lockdown. Keeping sane, keeping busy. Mm. Yes, mm. Just, just doing sort of muddling around. I've got a few yeah projects that I've been doing to fill out the time mm. um exciting things as well from different national presidents i was just thinking i got a message from the the national president of georgia yesterday yeah asking you know if i'd help them set up a global leadership program for now sorry is this Ge georgia. is this georgia usa or georgia no, georgia, georgia. country wow yeah yeah wow, wow. Yeah. yeah um okay very <laughs> yeah so it's all of these kind of crazy opportunities though once you once you tap in to this kind of link and this network yes. you see just flying around and you don't possibly have enough time to you know sink your teeth into everything that you want to get involved in because it's great um but that's the exciting thing is that you know i think a lot of people think oh it's just abstract mm. you know th mm. there are these people wandering around with ideas and it doesn't really do anything mm. um but in, in reality there's a lot of fantastic work that's going on yeah and i think certainly the president in georgia Mareki, she's been doing a fantastic job she she did a, she, so she works a lot in education yeah um and she's also i think she's part of um the un women's kind of global compact and and everything like that a mm. forbes 30 under 30 kind of big wig i know she's done fantastic things um but yeah, she, she then signed a deal with UNICEF Georgia during the pandemic to help with the provision of supplies in terms of education, yeah. um, continuation, and et cetera, and things like that. Yeah. And she's one of those people who, you know, obviously has, obviously works towards these sort of very idealistic 2030 goals, yes. but is so intensely practical and very, very, very sharp yes. that she's able to walk in and say, hey guys, you know, we've got this power, I've got this expertise, we can do something. How about we sign something and put it into motion? Mm. And she can really pull together, you know, entire national-based UN organizations into doing things. Mm. And it's that kind of incredible power that, yeah, I don't think we've seen before in any other generation quite to that extent, either because it hasn't been the popular way to go. Right. Or because there just haven't been those outlets necessarily mm. in the same format. Mm. Um, so do you yeah. genuinely think then, Sophie, do you genuinely think that your generation, no, I'm just, I just think this is really, really interesting, mm. that, your, that your, your, your generation through an organisation like, you know, a charity like the one you're involved in now, are really much more, um, are, are, are situated in a way that has never before been 
um, to, to change the world. I think so in an extent, because as you see as well, a lot of things are coming to a head where you, you're you at this crossroads that either you do or either you don't. Hmm, hmm. And it's quite difficult to then find a middle ground between that because things are starting to become quite tight. You know, resources, yes. sinking islands and countries, forest fires, for example, those yes. sorts of things. Um, wealth gaps breeding, you know, inequalities breeding political standoff, violence, um, you know, arms are talked about. You can link all of these into, into different issues mm-hmm. where, yeah, sort of this, this movement away that you're seeing, this trend away from sort of globalization and, yeah. and a multilateral society to, to more nationalist stances that you've particularly seen since 2016, although, again, that's something that's been bubbling under the surface for quite a long time as well. Mm. Um, you know, Brexit is another key example that we always had one foot in the door, one foot out, and there was always a bit of a, a questioning as to, you know, where does the UK stand in this relationship? Mm. I think a lot of these things are coming to a point where either there's so much bad blood or there are so many different opinions that you can't really continue along this trajectory, pretending that everything kind of works and mm. assuming that that's a, an operating system for the world. Yeah. to work on yeah but there's a realization that you need to do something concrete which tends to then get you know pushed to the side or, or swept under the carpet a little bit because it's so daunting and very frightening to try and think of a possibility to bring so many people together and try and sing from the same song sheet mm. on such complex issues mm. but i think ultimately my generation sits in a in an interesting position given you know its interconnectedness through ideas but also people living conditions thoughts and everything around the world through a digital upbringing yes um and the flourishing of media and television and and news with you know very in-depth footage and analysis and Mm. goodness knows what else which Mm. you know has has existed for a long time but hasn't really reached the depths and the heights that it has in recent years you know I, i read something the other day where it was um the analysis of the the first woman who got shot and killed in the Myanmar protests, right? And they some anal, uh, some analysts connected to the BBC had essentially triangulated the precise bus stop in the country that she'd been at, the time of day, the trajectory of the shot, and the conclusion that it wasn't in fact a rubber bullet, but it was a proper piece of ammunition, mm. using satellite footage and and goodness knows what else at their disposal from from London, mm. you know, London all the way over to Asia. Mm. Um, so it's those kind of things that then make a lot of, you know, issues around the world very difficult to ignore. And it's ones as well that we've been taught, I think almost ironically, by previous generations in an idealistic way not to ignore. Mm. And mm. you have this kind of tension between don't ignore it because it's wrong, but then at some point reaching an age where people say, oh, but you should probably give up because it's not feasible anyway. Mm. Mm. To then having a generation who have a lot of things at their disposal where they say, well, actually, there's a lot more that we could be doing. Yeah. And you also told me that I should. Mm. And mm. then you have this connectedness amongst those people around the world. And there are a lot of us, you know, we're probably one of the largest generations in terms of people, you know, manpower mm. around the world as well, just with population growth. So it's interesting to see all of those things coming together mm. with a genuine understanding that A, young people can make a difference in a lot of different sectors. B, it's a responsibility and C, do we actually have any other options other than coming together and trying to take things out? Mm. Um, and I'd say D as well, to add on to that, a great amount of generational frustration of, okay, well then why is the world like this? You know, if mm. you say it's awful, why let it get to that point? Why make these decisions? Why be so isolationist? Mm. And again, that's sort of part of, I guess, youthful naivety 
um, and not having been weathered so heavily by life. But there's also a great power in that because if you don't see the logic in it or mm. you see it as being punitive or counterproductive, then you're much more likely to do something about it. Mm. And if enough people are on that same page, then I guess to a certain extent you have a movement Then by definition. We, then we make change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 argue argue so clearly, so persuasively, so um, intelligently, um, but equally so emotively. You know, I mean, it, 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 you're 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 a marvel, I, and I'm you know I'm not surprised. I'm 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 um, very excited and impressed by where you've got to so quickly but I'm not in, I'm not surprised really in the sense that you're just so good you you know it's something at, at the core of you so um, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's great okay listen I'm doing Music. Book up. 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 Book up.